Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Rebel Chronicles, where we investigate the histories created by ordinary people challenging the status quo. I'm Paul Case, and today I would like to talk about a major event in Paris's history, which is the Paris Commune. We're going to start in France, 1870, and the Franco-Prussian War was nearly over. Napoleon III's army was defeated at the Battle of Sedan. Meanwhile in Paris, a provisional government sought to carry on fighting with its National Guard to protect the capital. By the 19th of September, two weeks after Napoleon III's surrender, the Prussian army had encircled the capital and the siege of Paris began. Four months of attack and repulsion followed and the Prussians eventually resorted to shelling the city, bringing it to its knees. On January the 28th, 1871, the provisional government surrendered. The people of Paris had suffered long and hard during the siege. It had been a bitter winter. The Prussians had blocked off all transport links. Food had run out. Parisians, bellies desperately hungry, began eating roots, dogs, rats, cats, anything they could get their hands on and the siege claimed some 47,000 casualties. And to top this off, they had to endure the sight of victorious Prussians parading through their city. Meanwhile in Versailles, 25 kilometres north of Paris, peace treaties were drawn up and a new French government was established, headed by Adolphe Thiers. Thiers was a political opportunist, Republican, authoritarian and deeply conservative. Karl Marx once referred to him as a monstrous gnome, but as we shall see, this was a gross understatement. The triumphalism of the Prussian army didn't go down well with the Parisians. Leftist anti-authoritarian politics were rife in certain quarters of the city and they were bitter at having fought and been sold out by their provisional government. Righteous anger swelled among the people and they still had their guns. This all presented a bit of a worry to Thiers. Paris was armed, radical and brimming with rage. Wildly misjudging the volatile situation, on March 18th, 1871, he ordered the French army to confiscate the National Guard's cannons. As the army entered the city, a crowd, backed up by the National Guard, rallied round to protect the cannons. These cannons, this whole city, was property of the people, paid for by their taxes, and they were damned if anyone was going to take either. The French army's morale was low, and it was clear they shared more in common with the poor of Paris than the officers ordering them about. Soldiers began to mutiny. Regimentation dissolved into chaos for the officers as the infantry refused to open fire on the furious crowd. Fights broke out all over the city. If the government was unwilling to defend their city, then the people of Paris would simply do it themselves. The rebellion had started. Amidst the commotion, two generals were pulled from their horses. They begged for their lives, these generals, who only hours before had been willing to massacre civilians. They were detained and shot. Having lost control, the French army fled Paris to regroup. 
On March 26, 1871, a revolutionary local government, the Paris Commune, was elected to cries of triumph. This was the first of its kind in the industrialised world, a government owned and controlled not by the rich, not by statesmen, but by the working class. Progressive changes were immediate. Army conscription was abolished. Only the National Guard, the People's Militia, could defend the city. Factories were transformed into workers' cooperatives in which the workers controlled the workplace. A volunteer ambulance service was developed. The church was denounced as a tool for class oppression and stripped of its control. Secular schools were established. Socialist red flags waved in the spring breeze. The huge statue of Napoleon III was pulled down and destroyed to loud cheers. Women, defying the stereotype of weakness and frailty, emerged as some of the most radical and militant voices in the commune. They had frequently worked 13-hour days for pittance before this, whilst also being expected to support their children in queuing breadlines. Most leftist circles were hardly more welcoming. The women of the commune were fully conscious that their oppression, while similar to that of working men, was also down to the fact they were women. And now, with a newly formed women's union, they were a ferocious, significant presence, willing to take up arms to defend their revolution. There is also evidence to suggest a black presence in the commune, most notably the Spahi, Sections of the French army recruited from Algeria, Morocco and Tunisia, who joined the struggle. Political discussion was no longer kept behind closed doors. It was public, loud and proud. Meetings, clubs, speeches, lectures, newspapers, pamphlets, posters, the enthusiasm to spread ideas, to analyse, to act, was infectious. It lasted a mere three months because Thiers wanted to take Paris once and for all and show these radical upstarts the meaning of authority. He had spent his time cannily, quickly amassing an army and, on May 21st, 1871, soldiers marched into Paris and the infamous bloody week began. During that week, the Versailles army was merciless. Revolutionary soldiers approached their counterparts, pleading with them to join the struggle, and their optimism was met with bayonets and rifle shots. Many children ran to the barricades to hurl rocks at soldiers, to pick up the guns of the dead and mimic their elders, and they were killed too. Women were singled out for special punishment for daring to challenge male domination. The forces of the commune were too weak, too dissipated too disorganised to challenge the superior numbers and firepower of the Versailles army. By May 28th, around 25,000 Parisians were dead. 25,000. That's over 3,000 people killed a day. Nearly 150 killed every hour. A systematic massacre. Blood soaked the streets. Thiers commented, The ground is strewn with corpses. May this terrible sight serve as a lesson. 
30,000 people were arrested with 7,000 deported, some sent across the dangerous seas to the French penal colony of New Caledonia off Australia's east coast. Thousands fled Paris, screams ringing in their ear. The bloody week created a diaspora that would ensure the memory of the Paris Commune would ricochet across history for generations to come. The Paris Commune was not without its faults. For example, the brutal imperialism of the French colonies was never officially denounced, implying that white working class struggle was prioritised over black struggle. There were political disagreements from various stripes that threatened to tear the Commune apart. Dubious imprisonments and executions of suspected traitors took place. Military inexperience was evident during an attempted march on Versailles, which resulted in the National Guard fleeing back to Paris in a hail of heavy artillery and, most terribly, during the bloody week. But then, it's easy to criticise a state of affairs that only lasted three months and it was always on the defence in a time of war. If permitted to flourish, who knows what the Commune would have turned into. The Paris Commune proved that in a modern industrialised society, people, in the right time and place, with the right ideas, can take control of their own lives and communities. But those in control at the moment, those with money, those with power, wish to write moments like the Paris Commune out of history. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Chronicles. Any historical corrections, blind adoration, or expletive-ridden hate mail, please send to captainoftherant at riseup.net. And I'm going to finish up on a song uh, from the Commune itself called La Marseille de la Commune. C'est le soyeux plus esclave Sous le drapeau rallionneau Sous nos pas brisons les entraves Quatre-vingt-neuf, réveillez-vous Quatre-vingt-neuf, réveillez-vous Frappons du délire à la thème Ceux qui parastifient l'orgueil Autour vers le sombre cercueil De nos frères morts et sans emblème Pour la liberté Les fronts dans la cité Que tu sommeilles, peuple français, réveille-toi. L'heure qui sonne à tes oreilles, c'est l'heure du salut pour toi. C'est l'heure du salut pour toi. Peuple debout, que la victoire, il combat des pierres Rosa, la France, c'est laurier, son rang et son antique gloire. Chantons la liberté, 
n'était plus vos lois nouvelles Le peuple est sourd à vos accents Assez de phrases solennelles Assez de mots vides de sens Assez de mots vides de sens Français la plus belle victoire C'est la conquête de tes droits Ce sont la tête du beau exploit Que puisse enregistrer l'histoire 